Welcome to another episode of the Unlikely Hikers podcast and live show. Every Tuesday at 5 p.m., we record live with an audience via Zoom, where I lead a conversation with someone in the outdoor world that I find fascinating. And our guest today, Mercy Mfon, is beyond fascinating. And I really just can't wait for you to meet her. She's doing so much good work to create more welcoming spaces for people of color and LGBTQIA folks in the outdoors. Both of us are coming to you live from Portland, Oregon, which is colonized Cowlitz, Chinook, and Clackamas land. I acknowledge the original stewards of the land, and I want to give gratitude for being a, a guest. And I also want to say that, you know, I understand that wherever we are in the US at any given time, we are on stolen land. And we need to be centering indigenous voices in all of our conversations about land and access and the environment. And so often we're not. If you've ever been on an unlikely hikers group hike, you've heard me give this exact same talk in person. And I just kind of realized that I should be doing it with the podcast too. So a few words for those joining our live show. We do have a chat feature. And if you're on a mobile device, just tap the screen and it will come up from a menu bar at the bottom. And all of your, anything that you write will only be seen by me. We're gonna have a Q&A later in the show. So if you wanna ask me or Mercy, any questions about uh, the things we're talking about or about the outdoors, please do. I'm your host today. I'm Jenny Brusso. I am a queer, fat writer, hiker, group hike leader, and the founder of Unlikely Hikers, which is an Instagram community hiking group and now a podcast. I miss our group hikes so much. And so when I say I'm a group hike leader, I feel this like little stab of sadness. But I have so many plans on the other side of all of this, and we're definitely going to make up for the lost time not having group hikes. I have something new and fun to say today. <laughs> Today's episode is sponsored by Next Adventure. Both Mercy and I are ambassadors of this Portland outdoor retailer that's existed for more than 30 years. They are the place to shop for affordable, quality, new and used gear. Gotta love the access to used gear, right? If you don't live in Portland, you can shop at Next Adventure online at nextadventure.net. I created the Unlikely Hikers podcast at the end of March as a way of creating or rather maintaining community connection and all of that, maybe just providing a little entertainment while we're on stay at home orders because of the COVID-19 pandemic. It's my attempt at bringing the outdoors indoors, especially for those of us living in places where it's almost impossible to get any outdoor time right now. You know, there's a lot of people living in apartment buildings with no yards or, or who live in unsafe neighborhoods or all manners of things that keep people from getting that outdoor healing that so many of us rely on. You know, I, I, there's a lot of weird rules about things, you know, things like you can go outside to 
exercise, like you can go for a walk or you can go for a jog, but there's some places where people can't really do that. And there's, and there's rules like you can't lay on a blanket in a park alone. It's just, a, which sounds kind of weirdly ableist to me. Like, you know, a person running is sweating and breathing all over the place. And, you know, I'm not saying they shouldn't be allowed to run, but like, why can't a person hang out alone on a blanket in a park if they want to? It's just, I understand why people feel so confused about all of these conflicting messages. And to be quite honest, I was thinking about like my, where I've lived as an adult and I'm 38. And I think for a, a combined total of five years of my adult life, I've had access to a yard. I've always lived in apartments where there's no outdoor space for me to call my own. But right now I live in a, in an apartment right by a park. So I have been going out and sitting in a camp chair by myself and, you know, technically I'm not supposed to, and I'm not telling you to do the wrong thing. I'm just saying I'm not perfect. I'm seeing things online about people going outside of their houses, you know, haven't like, haven't gone outside of their houses in like seven weeks, except to go grocery, like grocery shopping, like a couple of times. And that's just so hard to fathom. So if you have a yard, think about what a privilege that is. And also just how getting outside is, is such a privilege. It's never been more clear to me what a privilege this is, you know, now more than any other time. It is now time for me to introduce our guest. Mercy Mfon is the founder and executive director of Wild Diversity, a nonprofit creating outdoor experiences for Black, Indigenous people of color and the LGBTQIA communities. She has over 15 years of community leadership as an experience as an educator and facilitator, and she uses this knowledge and passion to create community-based approaches to decolonized outdoor stewardship that nourish our inherent connection to the land. Welcome, Mercy. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Oh, I'm so happy to have you. <laughs> and I'm just happy to see your face and, and just like get to talk to a friend. <laughs> I'm so lonely. <laughs> I know, I know what you mean. It's so nice. I, I've got to ask you, you know, in that vein, how is your self-quarantine going or your stay at home or whatever you want to call it? Um, I think like most people has been an absolute challenge. Um, I'm one of those many people who are quarantining solo without a partner or family. So it kind of amplifies how difficult it is to, you know, uh, entertain yourself uh, every day of the week without leaving your house. So it's been a struggle and just taking it one day at a time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, that's exactly it because as hard as things might be moment to moment, it, we are going to get through this. We are going to get to the other side of it. And as long as we're doing what we can, you know, to not prolong this, the better we're all going to be for it, for sure. Um, um, so have you, what has your outside time looked like, if, if, if any time outside? Um, it's, it's been a mix. There's been five, six days where I didn't leave the house. 
And then there's been days where I'm like, I'm gonna go on a bike ride. I'm gonna go on these long walks, yeah. you know, and just trying to, you know, find things to entertain myself. <laughs> I have a little ADD, but also during the time when you're so down, it's hard to motivate to do anything. So similar to like maybe a parent with a kid, they're like pulling out all the stops. Like, let me get my roller skates out of storage. Let me get my volleyball, you know, let me get my bike and uh, just trying everything to motivate slowly. This week has been feeling a lot better. Um, and it makes me feel happy <laughs> when I can feel like I can be more of myself and motivate in the ways that I want to motivate. I hear that. I, I totally hear that. I like, similarly, I'm having a really hard time with that motivation piece of things. And also I feel, you know, sometimes pressure to do everything exactly by the book. And I'm, I wouldn't say that we're, we don't have to do things by the book, but I, as a community leader of sorts, I, I, I do feel like I have to set a, a, a good example. What about you? Do you have any feelings um, like that? I mean, I love pressure obviously. Is... <laughs> Go ahead. That pressure is real. I mean, it's uh, almost like we don't get to be humans uh, when you are, uh, you know, the weight of your communities on your shoulders. So it feels almost like every decision you make will be judged a bit. So we're not allotted mistakes. We're not allotted to say the wrong thing. We're not allotted to be ourselves sometimes. So um, it adds another layers sometimes uh, to decision-making process, for sure. Yeah, or just, you know, like keeps you <laughs> locked inside so that yeah. you don't make any mistakes. Leave your house for five days, like it's <laughs> <laughs> uh, All right. <laughs> well, I am a huge fan of wild diversity. I know that you know that. I am always so amazed at the amount of you know, the, the, just the incredible options that you provide for folks, like so much so many educational experiences and also just fun experiences and community building experiences. And you create these events specifically for BIPOC, Black, Indigenous, people of color and LGBTQIA folks. Why is it important to create spaces like the like for folks who with shared experiences as opposed to you know something that's open to everyone um i think it takes a lot of the pressure mm -hmm. off those communities are important to me because i'm a part of the, both of those communities and i think um definitely as a black woman there's a way that you cannot be around everybody else um because we're so heavily stereotyped, uh, we kind of don't ever get the benefit of the doubt. Um, uh, people are intimidated by us, whether we do something aggressive or not. So it makes it a place where uh, just walking through society feels like you have to walk on eggshells sometimes. Um, so to be able to be a part of an affinity group is like being able to like be at home and walk around with your pants off because it's your house, it's where you feel comfortable, it's where you feel safe, it's where you can like feel like you be, can be yourself without, ju without judgment. So I think affinity spaces are important 
and it's it, you're able to connect with people on things that affect you all uh, because of how unique you are. I think I've grown up in a lot of spaces that weren't diverse, and it it's just interesting to see how you know how much in common I have people with people who look like me, and that the things that I go have to deal with every day it doesn't mean I'm making like wrong choices about where I am and who I am with it's just a societal thing so it's good to connect with people on that because you know that you're not the problem that you're just you living your life trying to grow as a human being and society needs to do some work so it's good to talk with people within your community so you can learn those nuances of navigating and really, uh, you know, come full circle on who you're supposed to be as a person, who you want to be, uh, knowing that those barriers that you face are not just targeted specifically towards you, that a lot of people in your community are dealing with it. Absolutely. That, that sort of shared understanding of an experience, of a lived experience, you know, not having to articulate that all of the time to folks is so it can it can take so much pressure off mm -hmm. of new experiences or not mm -hmm. just new experiences but uh environments that we don't feel comfortable in for whatever part of our identity informs that lack of safety um you know it's it's sometimes when you share space with people who have a lot of uh social capital and privilege and whatnot it's any you know they they won't see those moments where maybe you're getting a look or a tone or something that otherwise might get someone's back up you know about uh whether or not they're welcome or safe in a situation i am wondering you know because I'm always, I'm always curious about this because I only started doing outdoorsy stuff like eight years ago. And it's like, okay, and now I'm doing unlikely hikers, all of this stuff. And, and, and you, you know, having this beautiful, vibrant community of outdoors folks. I'm curious, have you always been outdoorsy? Um, I think it's different based on where I grew up. I, uh, growing up, there was always you know, always a smidge of an outdoor element, even if it was just like evening walks with our mom. But those were always memorable, or that one time or two times our family actually went on a vacation growing up, and it was to this outdoor space that we stayed for the weekend. Like, that is one of my most memorable experiences, the way I felt in that environment. So it hasn't been like an always thing, but those couple of times that we did do something uh, were very defining and I felt kind of a sense of place in those spaces. Yeah, and, and you brought up an important thing about how being outdoorsy doesn't necessarily mean hiking or camping or doing no, those like very specific activities that we tend to think of when one says outdoorsy just enjoying time outside is something I think a lot of us do grow up with, but we don't think of it that way when people ask about being outdoorsy. Like, 
I grew up, uh, you know, gardening with my mom and I grew up in San Diego, which is right on the ocean. So on the weekends, we went to the ocean all of the time. And that was, I, I realized that I, I used to say I was an indoor kid and that I didn't do anything outdoorsy, but I actually was outdoors all of the time. I just didn't think about it that way. And I think a lot of people have some of those shared experiences. It's, it's, it's good to redefine, you know, our outdoor time and, and uh, you know, it all, we're all getting something from it, which makes me uh, curious, you know, what does the outdoors do for you? Um, <laughs> I, uh, it's a, that's a good question. It is really, it's kind of hard to t- articulate. I don't know why I love the outdoors so much. I just do. I, I love being there better than being a city. Um, maybe better is not even the right word. There's just something that it gives me that being in the city doesn't give me. I think it's quieter. There's very, well, if you do it right, there's very little expectations on your time and yourself. Uh, things just feel a little slower and sweeter. So to me, it is a very relaxing place. And it's a way to also like reset the way that my mind works. So here I'm at home thinking about all the things I have to do, what my timeline is. Like I have this to-do list constantly in my head. I can go to bed and wake up in the middle of the night and have to write things down. Um, those pressures don't happen in nature. I don't have a running to-do list when I'm out camping. I just like wake up and enjoy the day and whatever that's gonna mean for the moment. So I think it, it feels like a, a rewiring a little bit. It's definitely a resetting thing. And I've had so much great personal processing while on long walks in nature. So uh, there's definitely a lot, it offers a lot. And it is really hard to describe for me. Yeah, I mean, it might, it might even depend on where you're at in your head, what you get from nature. Mm-hmm. And I realize that with in different situations, you know, whether I'm by myself or with my partner or leading a, a, an event with unlikely hikers, there's so many different ways to interact with nature. And and they're all ways that feel really important to me now. Whereas in the past, I always, I, I mean, I still very much value my personal time outdoors, but it's also so exciting for me to be able to experience nature with community. And I want to ask you, how, what is it that drives you to bring to create outdoor and nature experiences for the communities that you exist in? What is the, the motivation and what are you hoping to show and share with people? Um, I think the biggest thing that I want to share with people that in our community is that the outdoors is a place for them too. Uh, It's just not the stereotypes they see and they feel that they've experienced a whole life growing up, that they are the exact person that the outdoors is for. Um, I do want them uh, to experience like a sense of peace and relaxation. 
Um, there's so many health benefits um, to being outside and I want them to also experience that. It's not just for the privilege. It's not just for those who live in those areas. Um, it's for everyone in our community to experience that. So um, when somebody comes on a wild diversity trip, our end goal is to create comfort and sense of place that they feel that they can go out and access that space. They feel like they have the, the ability, the knowledge, and almost the right, and it's not the best word, but to go out there and experience it. Like they don't um, have to be or do anything except be themselves and they can access that space too. Yeah, I, you know, we're all of nature. We are nature. Why do you, I mean, how, why would you say someone might not feel welcome or even inspired to participate in outdoor recreation like hiking or, um, or rather, excuse me, let me be more specific. Why do you think uh, people of color and queer and trans folks, you know, what are some of the barriers that keep them, us, from getting outside? Um, I think safety is a big barrier. Um, there's no shortage of attacks on the BIPOC or the LGBTQ community in the outdoors. I mean, stories, people have stories of traumatic experiences, life-threatening experiences, and we're not talking about wildlife, we're talking about other people. Um, so I think safety is a big thing. I think stereotype is a big thing. Um, the way that uh, people in our community um, get treated as like an exception, as a rare unicorn um, out here. And uh, it's always like, why, you know, why are you here? What are you doing out here? Um, and to be honest, white people don't go around asking white people why they're out in the outdoors. They get all just allowed to be. So it's also that uh, you don't belong here um, type feeling that happens with every question. Um, and it's a stereotype of just not seeing yourself. I feel like Black people have been more than the, just a side character only in recent years. So those of people who are in their 20s or 30s, it's actually new seeing diversity on TV, diversity in outdoor advertising. Prior to that, it was very clear that realtors did not care if our bodies were outside or not. So it, it wasn't welcoming in that way. Um, yeah, and it's just, I think uh, retail in a way has a way of defining what being outside looks like, what being outdoors looks like. And they are very competitive and vigorous activities. If you, you know, look at all the people who actually have a challenging enough life, they don't need to like rough it and have a challenge outdoors. It's a considerable amount of our community um, who, who deals with challenges every day that going on a weekend of challenge does not sound that appealing. But if we're able to reframe the way that we view being outdoors looks like, then we can come to terms that it can be a place of retreat, healing, and relaxation. 
and a place that can feel more like a treat than a challenge. And I think that's a way to bring in a lot more communities in the outdoors. Absolutely. Well, thank you for providing experiences for folks to have those experiences and also, you know, the whole safety and numbers aspect of, of having group events is always, I feel like when I'm with my group, I just feel like my guard is down so much more. I also feel more, I just feel safe in, in a number of ways. Like if, if someone does say something to me on the trail or about my group on the trail, I'm more likely to say something back, you know, and speak up for my, my people um, in a way that I might not when I'm alone because I don't feel safe, you know? Absolutely. And it's, it's wise. <laughs> yeah. I'm wondering, you, you brought up the sort of uh, outdoor industry aspect of, of what informs the image that a lot of us have in our minds about who is outdoorsy. And I'm wondering what you think about the uh, push to diversify the outdoors. What, is that, what does that invoke for you? <laughs> um, it invokes uh, that we are money-making tool and they see the <laughs> monetary value in getting us outside um and 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 that's the push um perhaps it's not true for all of them to be fair um but um i think that it's hard to decipher who's doing something because it is the right thing to do and who's doing something because they can show a return on it so i think it's kind of the mixture of the two right now and um but on the other hand whatever it takes to for our community to see themselves in the outdoors then great you know yeah i mean the bottom line is always going to be profit not to say that there can't be good intentions that <laughs> inform that but it's just it is the truth and you know i people are likely to find out about, you know, or, or a lot of us subconsciously are not are looking for that representation, you know, on our social media on uh, advertisements from the big brands and, mm -hmm. and whatnot, you know, even if we already, you know, are just kind of like, fuck what big brand A has to say about blah, 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 you know, like when we do see I know that when I see someone who's not like a straight size, you know, pixie antelope outdoors person, I feel really excited even, even though, you know, so much of my work is a part is, is in the outdoor industry now. Mm -hmm. It's like, I still get that excited feeling Yeah, totally. Um, or seeing like seeing so many folks that, that are just totally underrepresented in that media and, you know, sometimes that media does stop right there. It's just the, the imagery and not really a whole lot to back up things, but I know it matters for me. So, you know, clearly it matters for a lot of people. Right? It matters. Yeah. Representation yeah. matters. It matters. <laughs> it matters. <laughs> well, that actually makes me, um, that made me think of something else. Uh, in a few places online, you have sort of a quote or a tagline 
that says fitting in is different than belonging. Can you explain that? Yeah, um, I think it was uh, Bernice Brown, Brene Brown. Brene Brown. Um, Yeah, I remember hearing that quote while watching that all 10 years late. Like I am with everything, but oh, I'm just I thought I it was so on the cool. Brene Brown too. Like I've just discovered that. Sorry <laughs> to interrupt you. Go She's ahead. wonderful, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, but it it, it 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 totally is. I think it's kind of a push from different sides. I'm in the nonprofit industry, and when you see kind of white led organizations, they're just trying to get BIPOC people to kind of fit in to their box of outdoors, through their tenants or their pillars or whatever foundational thing they did when, you know, Jim Crow and slavery is still a thing, whatever they created during that time. And they still have it today. And they're just keep trying to fit us in the box, but it, it doesn't really work. Um, unless you're going to be community centered or redraw a map that connects people for who they are today, connects people for from diverse backgrounds. If a program was created back in the day where there were no Black people even thinking it, or people of color integrated into these programs, they kind of have to re- redraw the curriculum for now because everything prior to this point is irrelevant and it's not gonna connect people together and it's not gonna bring that sense of belonging. So. I, that saying made me think about what am I trying to do with my community? How am I supporting their belonging versus trying to fit in? And I feel like it's a great place to start when you're thinking about how we are going to bring diverse communities outdoors. So beautifully said, seriously. Uh, For everybody uh, paying attention right now, uh, please send in your questions or comments. We are going to be starting our Q&A in about 10 minutes. Mercy, I'm always just blown away by how many different events (laughs) Wild Diversity offers. I mean, everything from like making your own like lotions and and hair oils and like you know movie nights and then of course weekend canoe camping adventures there's just so much that you do would you please tell everybody what kind of programming and services wild diversity offers absolutely um yeah we do all kinds of outdoor adventures Um, just like we talked about fitting and belonging, if we were only to offer one thing and be like, yes, all BIPOC people, all LGBTQ people, we're doing this one thing and this is the way you can get outdoors, then we would be falling into the fitting in category. So we understand that people are unique and different and they like different things. So we want to offer as many things as we possibly can within our insurance requirements and we want to provide it to our community. So we have the hikes, the backpacks, wildflower walks, mushroom foraging. We'll go to the coast. Uh, we'll do karaoke. We'll do a movie night. You know, like you said, we'll have self-care workshops. Um, we will have first aid um, courses. We have our Resilience Outdoor Conferences just coming up um, and it's online. Um, we just want to do everything. We are 
training our leaders to be able to do trips on land and water. So we want everyone to feel like there's one thing that they feel like, hey, I'm gonna try it, you know? Um, and if we can get them to try that one thing, then we're that close to bringing them into our community. That, you know, I, I actually hadn't, I, I've never done something like Unlikely Hikers before, even though I've, um, I've done community organizing and activism for most of my adult life and even, you know, my teen years too. But I, in, in regards to outdoors stuff, I never thought about how maybe something like, you know, hiking would be intimidating, but you can create other experiences to sort of be like, hey, we're, you know, we want to invest in our communities. We want to have this sort of like, I don't know, I don't want to say icebreaker event, but this other way of connecting, you know, who knows what might come from, you know, having one of those like movie nights or whatever. Someone might be that much closer to wanting to try, you know, a group hike or wanting to try, uh, you know, any one of the big outdoor activities or experiences that you provide. So that's, that's, I, I love that. And I, that, I just feel very inspired by that. So thank you for yeah, there, like I think there's a lot of fear for people joining big groups uh, based on what their experience was like growing up. So if they're the only queer and trans person going up, the only BIPOC person in the area, they know how hard groups can be and how they can just always be on the outside, be on the outside. So even just coming on a hike can be intimidating. You don't know, I feel like people's biggest fears with backpacking our backpack trips is that they'll get left behind. So there are some legitimate fears and I've seen all of them. I've seen all of the things before of why people are afraid to go outside and it's totally legit or afraid to join in a group. Um, there's so much meanness that can happen and, um, and, carelessness but intentionally <laughs> I don't know how to say that. No, you're, you're totally right. Yeah, so I understand why people are intimidating, intimidated. So if we can get them just to show up and see what kind of community that we are, I think we have a better chance of getting them outside and onto an adventure with us. Absolutely. And yeah, you're absolutely right about um, that there are so many variables that uh, you know, even if you are with technically your people, your communities, with outdoor act or with, with physical activities, there's still so many variables, you know, bodies are diverse. We don't all have the same ability, endurance, you know, drive or whatever. There's so many things that, you know, in, inform what kind of physical activity we like. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, I know for myself, I have joined other group hikes and things like that and just been totally left in the dust and it is a horrible feeling a and it's nightmare. like it's like wait a minute <laughs> i took a chance to be with you know my people quote unquote and it's like and 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 i re i'm realizing that when they that they still have a very narrow idea of like what might you know what they what what other people can do outside, you know, they're basing it on their own personal ability levels. Um, yeah. it's, it's tough. It's really tough. It's, it's, it's alienating, honestly. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I would love to hear about the resilience conference. You're offering such an incredible thing. And I was shocked that you're making it free with, you know, an optional donation. <laughs> of course I donated, but I, 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 can you please just tell us about this incredible thing that you're doing? Sure. Well, the resilience outdoor conference was, um, designed to be an outdoor conference. So we've uh, seen outdoor industry conferences, they're all indoors. Resilience is designed to be outdoors. So right now during COVID and just us staying safe, we have to do it online, <laughs> which is a big bummer. I probably shed a couple of tears uh, because of that transition. But at the end of the day, it's about connecting with their community. So we have Um, a handful of BIPOC and LGBTQ workshop leaders that will be leading workshops um, two days, uh, May 16th and 17th, all day. So people can join in on the classes that they're most inspired by. Even some of the classes have a materials list. So if you don't want to just listen and you're like, I'm going to try some of these things out, um, you'll have the materials that you can gather um, at your home or Uh, be able to find a location at your home where you can practice along with the workshop leaders. So hopefully you have it or hopefully you can like scrounge and get real creative with what's in your house. But the hope is that nobody really has to leave and go out and buy stuff. So we'll see how that goes. And um, it's kind of as hands-on as we can make it for being an online conference. But a lot of workshops are interactive discussions or movements. So the vast majority of them, there's going to be some way for the participants to engage and do something along with the workshop leader. And how can people join this? Because now that you're doing it online, you can actually have so many people join. So I know it would be really great. Uh, Go to wilddiversity.com slash resilience. Yay. (laughs) Awesome. I RSVP'd today and originally I wasn't going to be able to go because I had this other thing I had to do. This is the worst part of being, you know, having your, your own like outdoor community group, whatever. It's like a lot of times our stuff is happening at the same time. And so I don't get to attend as many wild diversity events as I would like, but I will say for everybody who's curious, I always have a great time and Um, I don't have some of those fears going into wild diversity events that I sometimes have with other groups about whether or not I'm going to be left behind or feel unwelcome or, you know, ultimately find like, like find out that yes, this is for this community, but not for you, (laughs) you know, wild diversity is awesome like that. And also, um, you, you also provide trips that and experiences that are only for people of color, correct? Yeah, we also do BIPOC-only trips and then uh, mix uh, the cross-section of both groups. Um, And for people who've never been on a trip, we have a lot of great first-time events, backpacks. Like, if we'll be able to (laughs) get back outside one day. Um, And we also have a gear library. So we have everything anyone would need. Um, We do a lot of scholarships, a lot of sliding scale. And then we have all the gears. We have the backpack. We'll provide the food. 
Um, so all you just need to, I mean, we even have shoes. So you don't have to come with a pair of shoes. <laughs> we have boots. Um, you have to provide your own underwear, I think. We got socks. So we can set people up and then you can get to know your gear a little better without spending hundreds of thousands of dollars it takes to get outside. Um, yeah. So it's a really fun time. Tell people about the gear library. I don't think you mentioned that earlier. Um, the gear library is uh, this awesome resource that we have put together with a handful of sponsors, including Next Adventure, and a handful of people in the community donating is how we got started. So it helps us be able to fully outfit our trips. And that also helps us just keep costs low to do more scholarships, to do more sliding scale. Um, we use it for our adventures, and then we host a lot of youth adventures through our youth partners, too. That's so cool. That is so cool. I love that. I want to know, what are your favorite outdoor activities, in order or not? Just what are your favorite outdoor activities? <laughs> <laughs> well, my favorite thing, and it has always been, is just to be outside. No pressures, no getting at the summit, no doing any hardcore paces just to be outside. Yes, I might have to like hike there to go be, but ultimately that is my goal. Um, I love being by water, so lakes, uh, rivers, streams. I love being by water and just hanging out. Um, so going out into the middle of the woods to sit by water is my number one favorite <laughs> thing. <Yes. laughs> <laughs> Me too. Same. Mm -hmm. Are you a water sign by any chance? No, I'm all, I'm like all fire. Oh, I'm, yeah. I'm all I'm all water. It's uh. a lot of steam. <laughs> <laughs> we even make steam together. Um, I ha we have one more event coming up that I want to share about. It's this weekend, this Sunday. It's an online event, of course, folks. But it's backyard birding. Um, we have our resident birding expert, Greg Smith, from Portland Audubon, who's leading it. And we're going to talk about birds you can find in your backyard, so you don't have to... Um, I know they're slowly opening things up right now, but I think it's going to be pretty wild and packed. It's going to be like the Wild West out there. There's going to be too many people mm -hmm. in whatever spots they're opening up. So if you have an opportunity to do birding in your own backyard, is really awesome. And... During the workshop this Sunday, we're going to make, I forgot the name of it because it's new to me, but it's some type of feeding device for birds. Mm. I think you make it with like butters or oils and seeds. I'm not sure, but come Sunday, you can figure it out. And we're going to post uh, the details of material together so you can do that along with Greg. And also there's going to be an awesome Q&A session with Greg. So you can get to know cool. more about birds, just ask questions, get answers, and start your own little birding situation on your own. Awesome. That's this Sunday? Yeah, at 4 p.m. Okay. Cool. Wilddiversity.com okay. slash events. Awesome. Good job. Good plug. Um, Thank and you. All, everything that we're referencing today, everyone, will be in our show notes, the, this recorded episode will go live on Thursday. Uh, so all of the things that we talked about, if you don't remember, if you're not meticulously writing things down, you can find them on our show notes later. 
we are going to start our Q&A, but before that, Mercy, I would love to take a screenshot of us. Okay. So I'm going to count to three. You can get yourself okay. right. Let me <laughs> get ready. Yes. <laughs> All right. And after three, I'm going to hit it. So one, two, I always have to remember I need to smile too. One, two, three. Yay. <laughs> awesome. Okay, we're gonna start this Q&A. Thank you so much for talking to me, Mercy. Absolutely. I, this was really lovely. Uh, me, I just really thank you. I appreciate everything that you do. <laughs> Here's a question that, oh, let's see. Oh, gosh. Okay, so somebody asked this question, and I am so curious about it, too, because it's something I think about a lot. How do you manage the pressure to make sure everyone is having fun at an event? What, <laughs> I mean, I know it's like, I've never been asked this question before. So I'm just like, whoa, cause I, I think about it a lot. That's a good question. <laughs> um, that pressure is real. Cause that pressure will like end you. Yeah. Like uh -huh. if, you if you think you had a good event and you're having anxiety, you're like that person didn't look like they had a good time. Um, yep. <laughs> I don't think there's any real way to know. I think to try to validate everyone's experience that you can. Our groups are not wildly huge. So just to like connect with people, to check in with people is really important. Sometimes I think people had a horrible time and they're like, oh my God, I hope you didn't mind my social awkwardness. And I'm like, what? Is that what you're going through? Yeah. Oh my goodness. I was worried that you weren't having a good time. So, I mean, there's no way you can really know unless you get some feedback, feedback, you know what I mean? Um, otherwise, I think you just do your best. Um, I feel like I'm one type of person with one type of personality. I think I'm hilarious, but not everybody does. So all I could do is just do my best to try to facilitate a good time and open up space for people. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I've had that same experience of thinking someone's having a horrible time and then, and maybe they're even saying things that make it sound like they're having a horrible time. And then they come to every single event. Yeah. They're just working through their own stuff. Mind exactly. your own business. Aren't you know all? what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <right>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this question is for both of us from my sweet friend, Sabrina. And uh, they're asking, what can the community do to support our leaders, like ourselves, to make sure we are not putting that unfair kind of pressure and expectations around perfection on you all? How dare you, Sabrina? I don't want to answer this. Mercy, you can go first. <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't think there's anything you could do. I, I think when you are in the spotlight or a place where everyone can make a comment about your behavior, you're going to forget the hundred amazing comments and you're going to dwell on that one shitty one. And, um, I don't know, for me, I feel like I just need to have tougher skin sometimes. <laughs> I know when I started wild diversity, I'm like, well, mercy can't be crying every week like this. So just get it together. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I really don't know how to answer that question. I think, when people make comments, that's the biggest thing we're worried about. 
and we got to think about comments as feedback as something we can take or leave um, that we don't have to absorb the pressure of what everybody thinks about us because everybody's going to think so many different things um, I do think it, I, I would put I think it's on me to decide uh, what level I'm going to let everybody affect me at the end of the day I agree with that and I would also add that even though we are putting ourselves in the position of leading and of course, you know, doing everything that we can to have people's best interests and safety in mind. Mistakes happen, but we are human. We sometimes don't get things right. And I think it's also very clear that the goal and the intention is to do things right. And one person's bad experience is not, you know, the collective experience. It's often just that person and they might have their own shit that's informing that bad experience. Mm -hmm. uh, so it is really hard to, to say, like you said, but, you know, ultimately we are, people can join these events and we can do our very best, but also people are ultimately responsible for themselves, you know, in a way, like, of course, I'm going to do everything that I can to set up a good situation, but I can't control <laughs> how, how somebody experiences the time that I've created for them. Um, but of course, this normally, you know, we all have a great time, right? Right? Yeah, yeah I would agree <laughs> with that. I would say, for people just to give people grace that they are, that they make mistakes, too as we try to do that for ourselves, I think people should not expect perfection <laughs> from me specifically. And I'm tired of being held to a higher standard than the president of the United States. So. Oh, Just yes. And, it, and, and you, you're bringing up something so important. We do have, especially in our smaller communities, we do have this way of putting pressure on each other that is, you know, kind of inappropriate because, and I know that it comes from a place of all of us trying to find where we belong. And in a sense, a lot of times when we're trying to find that place where we belong, we're also looking for where we don't belong. So we're extra critical of each other. And mm -hmm. I, 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 yeah, like what you said about giving each other grace to not be perfect all of the time, but also be with the understanding that we're all trying like hell to do the best that we yeah. can you know, it does, it is, it, it provides all of us with a little bit more freedom. And, uh, you know, I think more magic can happen from that. But I, I do know that when you are a leader of something, it can be really easy to get burnt out from expectations that are just beyond anybody's mm -hmm. limits, you know? Totally. And I think that grace should extend to everyone in our community too. I think cancel culture is really big and heavy and it puts people in the place where they don't ask questions or they're afraid to ha have discussions. So it's going to leave them in a place with less knowledge and a place where they're going to eventually make mistakes. So I think that just needs to be extended to our, our entire community, that grace for making mistakes. Absolutely. Yes. Um, somebody's asking, how many leaders do you have with Wild Diversity? Like, how many people are, are part of making these programs happen? Uh, that's a good question. Um, 
in previous years, I definitely played a leadership role in like 95% of all of our events. <laughs> this year, we're doing leadership development training, and we're actively in the middle of leadership development training right now. It's a, we're, we're doing a seven-week online course with our leaders, and right now we have 12 people going through this course. So we're going to have a lot more this year, and then we have partners like Autobahn, who has their own trip leaders that are within our community that leads our trip. We have different people who lead our unclimb night at Mizama's. So we definitely are gonna have so much more this year when we all get to get together, um, people leading. But yeah, we started out small and now we're growing and it feels good to have really amazing people be committed to supporting our community in this way. Hell yeah, you're, you are really fortunate to, and I know you're not just fortunate, you created this, to have the input of other leaders because I know for myself, doing everything by myself, like it's hard to be creative sometimes because my mind is so bogged down with the details and the inner workings of everything. And I, I, I hope to, you know, I, I don't, I hope to be in a place at some point where I can have more input from peers in terms Absolutely. of programming. It's and stuff hard like that. to do it by yourself. It it's really so is. Difficult. It's, I mean, cause then every single expectation, your own and other people's falls on you. And, and really, you know, it, other people's perspectives, like uh, the perspectives of other leaders can alleviate a lot of that pressure. And yeah. Yeah. I think there's so much great brain power behind a community think and creating together as a community than an individual. And I feel super grateful to these leaders being a part of this course and making this commitment. Yes, definitely. They're amazing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, somebody's asking if, uh, while do most wild diversity participants have a lot of experience in the outdoors or are most of them brand new to hiking, paddling, backpacking and various activities? Um, I would say majority of them are brand new and depending on what the activity is, um, it depends on what the activity is because some people just want to build that community. So I feel like it's like a 40, 60 or 70, 30, uh, with the majority being people who are new and then people come, they're like, I love birding and I want to be a part of bird walks. I like climbing. I want to be a part of this, or I want to support this. Like, I want to get on water with a cup, you know, with brown folks or with queer folks. So there's definitely people who are there to, for a community. I mean, everyone is there for a community, but um, definitely that's why people join us. So it's definitely open to all levels. Excellent. Very cool. And very comfortable for new people. <laughs> nice. Yeah. And I would, I would definitely say that that has been my experience at Wild Diversity Events. Uh, <laughs> before we wrap things up, Mercy, is there anything else you'd like to say or anything that you want folks to know about you or about Wild Diversity or anything you want to share? Just join us. <laughs> Just do it. <laughs> I'll tell you a joke and I'll sing you a song. Probably. <laughs> Awesome. Well, thank you so much. It was so, so great talking to you. Thanks, Jenny. All right. Bye-bye. <laughs>
Okay, everyone, this is going to wrap up our show today. Again, everything that we talked about that you might want to, uh, that, you, that you might want more information about will be in our show notes. The episode will be up Thursday. Thank you so much to Next Adventure for sponsoring today's episode. For everyone streaming this, check out our show notes for a 20% off code to use at Next Adventure through May. Our live show happens every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific. The new episode streams Thursday. You can find it on major podcast apps and some of the independent ones. You can also watch it on YouTube and closed captions are available. Please subscribe, rate us five stars, leave a review, share it. It really helps me a lot. And you can also help sustain it if you want to. You can make a donation via the link on our Instagram bio at, or at jennyrusso.com. And yeah, I would love the support. So thank you so much. And I will see you next Tuesday. Bye. <laughs>